the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, or is it TMO to go? Episode number 557 for Sunday, June 14th, 2015. Happy anniversary to us. folks and welcome to the mac observers mac geek app the show where as it turns out you send in questions tips and cool stuff found we answer your questions as best we can we share your tips we share your cool stuff found we share the cool stuff that we found on our own and all together we love to learn new things each and every time we get together 10 years today here i am dave hamilton in durham new hampshire And here, still in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Ron. Yeah, man. So uh, it, 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 I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but we'll, we'll get clarity on it. In fact, you know what? Let me just play this and let's see what happens. TMO to go for the week of June 13th, 2005. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's where it began. Uh, we recorded that episode on June 13th, and then on uh, June 14th, we released it. Greetings, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is tmo to go This is the inaugural edition. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. Hi, John. Evening, Dave. And we will come to you on a weekly basis talking about all things Mac. John and I are... So there you go. And uh, and and we did. We had the discussion uh, that day, John. And then we've had it every week since, for the most part. Sometimes twice a week since, in uh, in fits and starts in the in the middle there. We had no idea we were going to be doing Q and A at that point. Uh, Q and A started actually quite by accident. Week number three, I believe it was. We didn't know what our topic was going to be, so I grabbed some questions and I made up some questions and I said they came from our listeners, and uh, they came from people that asked them, but. They they weren't necessarily uh, listeners to the show at that point, and uh, and we answered the questions and figured, oh, well, we have a week to figure out what topic for episode number four was, and uh, we never had to figure out a topic for episode number four because that was enough to uh, to plant the seed, and the questions have come in, and we have done our darndest to answer them every single week. So that's that's what we do, and happy anniversary, John. Yeah, happy. What, what'd you get me? <laughs> I got you another podcast to do. <laughs> oh boy! Um, now you may be asking yourself, Dave. You, you presented me with a, a, I would say, a technical challenge. Yes, I did. I ha- I have an answer for you. Boy, what a pain in the neck this was to do. Thank you for doing this, by the way. I, I, I and I will tell you what this technical challenge is. So go ahead, John. Yeah, yeah. Please. Well, I'll tell you. It, it, it this was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, mostly because of the way time is represented. So Dave challenged me with the question, John, can you, can you kind of find out based on the data that we have available, uh, how much time we have spent podcasting? So, uh, step one. And I should, I should start by saying this came to me in the car on the way back from Boston yesterday. So I, and I had no time to do any of this. And of course it didn't leave John much time either. 
And but what I did think about was, well, don't we have this in a database somewhere because we create the RSS feed from a database? And the answer is not really. It's not stored in our database. In fact, the the only place where it is all coalesced into one form is our what we call our uh, uh, the the all encompassing feed. What, what What's the name of it? The, the collector's edition feed that has every episode in it. The ones that are in iTunes only have 100 episodes a piece. Um, you know, the MP3 and the AAC one, but the collector's edition has everything. And I thought, well, that's the only place. And then I'll, I'll, I'll leave it back to you, John. So this was not a just dude, just pull it from a database. What are you worried about? It, it, was, it was different than that. So uh, step one, which I thought would be the hardest part, but well, no, it was an annoyance. So, so the first part was how do I get, uh, so our feed is in an XML file, the data for our, uh, shows is stored in an XML file. If you don't know what an XML file is, you know what HTML is? XML is like that. It's tagged bits of data in a file. John, I hate to do this, but I, I, I am remiss. I said I wasn't going to screw things up today. I, I do have to mention our three sponsors for this show. And, uh, and, and it's my job to do that in the beginning. And of course, I'm all screwed up today because it's our 10th anniversary. So our sponsors are Gazelle at gazelle.com. Uh, for uh, selling off and buying your, your iOS stuff, Linda at lynda.com slash MGG, 10 free days of their, their videos. And one that I'm really excited about because I'm excited about all our sponsors when they're new. I'm excited about them all the time is tunnel bear. It's really simple VPN that I can't wait to tell you about later on in the show. So g- please continue. Oh yeah. I want to talk about them too. Yeah. yeah. Cause I got to try it out. So, um, so number one was getting this this file, which, uh, as I mentioned, is an XML file. It's basically a text file with uh, with tags, uh, just like uh, you know web pages are. And there is an item in there, a uh, proprietary tag, from what I can tell, that tells you the duration of each episode, along with you know the title and and the things like that. And it's uh, less than iTunes colon duration greater than, and then the time represented as minutes colon seconds okay right you will you figure hey no problem man you know something like excel should be able to understand that right that was my thought yeah well, uh, wrong rabbit that hole. was my thought that was my thought too and boy oh boy um so one problem was trying to cut and cut that part out so to, to just cut the minutes out sure and actually i had to use a combination of tools so one i started with bb edit okay and actually used a, uh, the, they have a, a feature in their text menu called sort lines with a search pattern. And so I set that up as the search pattern. And that then pulled that data out and put it in a format that was more usable for me. But then I couldn't find how to, how to get past that. My goal was to get minutes, colon, seconds, one in each cell. And I eventually got to that point. The second thing is I actually went into Excel and used a feature called data text to columns and use the oh, nice the cold less than the as a del- no less than as a delimiter and that actually got it closer then i think i did a find and replace replacing itunes colon duration with nothing and then that gave me minutes colon seconds got it it's like oh well you know let's uh, excel should understand that let's just sum that up well no see here's the problem excel understands time in hours minutes seconds uh, because the show because the number of minutes goes over 60 it would not accept it exactly but yeah, much like a, sub- a 90 a 90 minute and and 52 second show would be nine zero colon five two as opposed to oh one colon three zero colon five two 
Correct. Got so it. Excel was like, huh? I, I don't know what this is. But you know what does, Dave? <laughs> numbers? Yes. Oh, sweet. So numbers has a data type called duration. Fast. Or a data type. And so what I did is highlighted those figures, then went into numbers and said, hey, by the way, this is something of type duration. Then I was able to do a, a summation of all of the times. And as it turns out, Dave, not including this, we have spoken. Wait, wait. For our I want to make a guess before you tell us. I, I, I think we've done over, I'm going to say we've done over 50,000 minutes of recording. Well, I don't have it in those units. Okay. Well, we can get there. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, here's what I have in it. And maybe you could do the math quickly. Sure. Yeah. So we have podcasted for, so if you started listening to us, you would stop three weeks, six days, 23 hours, 36 minutes and 41 seconds later. Let's say this again. Three weeks. Six days, six days, 23 hours, 36 minutes, 41 seconds. Okay. So shortly we are going to actually hit four weeks of audio at the, at the uh, 24 minute mark of this show will be four weeks total of audio. Wow. That's a lot. Holy cow. All right. So yeah, we got to do that math. We got to convert that to, uh, to, to, um, you know, and at that point, at that point, I stopped. I, I could have converted it to minutes or seconds. Yeah, well, of I, course, I didn't want to because I had yeah, gone yeah, 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 gyrations. Yeah, of course, I was, of had course, some other stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it, it impressed me. So one, it, it clued me in as to, uh, and you may be able to do it in Excel. I, I just am not sure wise enough in in writing Excel code to to know how to do that. But uh, again, I was very pleased that the current version of Numbers. Um, uh, has that ability so all right so i think i'm off here uh so we're gonna do that times 24 times 60 and then now we're we're, we're not over fifty thousand minutes but that's okay um so we're gonna say equals that so I'm, I'm just doing this quick and dirty because it's the the only way i can think about doing it while i type here um and and you said 36 minutes, 23 hours, 36 minutes. So if I sum up three weeks, uh, if unless I'm doing this incorrectly, is the, the little over 30,240 30, minutes. Six days is 8,640 minutes. 23 hours is 1,380 minutes. Is that right? And so we are at 40,296 minutes. <laughs> and Brian Monroe hit the same number. Awesome. Okay, great. Yeah. And so did Furby's. Great. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you guys... You guys uh, got there faster than I did. Um, like this. So one day, this it, so. gives me great respect. Uh, I, I've done database work, but this gives me a lot of respect for anybody that does any database work because something that should have been simple started turning into a, 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 like peeling an onion. It was like every time I thought I figured it out, I got to a point where I'm like, oh man, here's another limitation of this tool that I thought would do it. And let me try another tool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 So now you said there's probably in a database somewhere, like, I don't know if it's in our FileMaker uh, database, probably not. But um, you know, so, if I had access to the database, I could have probably gone to the database and say, hey, I had this stuff up and, you know, uh, treat this field as a, as a time field. Well, that's and, the uh, thing. So uh, just because of the way we've built the system, the the length of the show is not stored in the database. The URL to the show is. And then we have a separate little engine that goes out and and actually pulls the 
because we don't store the show on our servers. So we can't, um, you know, we have to go and, and read the metadata to get the, that information. So we go and get the information and then we, um, we pull it in to a, a flat file per show. It's just how this particular engine that we started using years and years ago works. There's far more efficient and probably better ways to do it, but this one works and it, it's not broken. So that's why it, it, all this data is there, but it's stored in whatever 556 flat files, actually more than that, because there's some AACs and MP3s and all that. But um that that's why this happens. And, and of course the question is this, so this is potentially flawed data, right? It's based on if this engine is good enough to properly pull that data consistently and, and all of that. And who knows, but uh, pilot Pete, you mentioned Google foo. I typed in three weeks, comma, six days, comma, 23 hours, comma, 36 minutes equals question mark minutes into Google. And that's a much faster way to get 4,000, 40,296 minutes. So that's uh, that's just how it goes. Thanks for thanks for the oh. heads up. Yeah, yeah. I found Google I is good for way. unit conversions, yeah. and I think Spotlight uh, more often than not is is pretty good. If you if you type the same thing into Spotlight, I think I don't know if Spotlight's smart enough to do it, or if it passes us through to Google. Yeah. So that means our average episode over ten years is seventy two minutes. I'll buy that. That's actually probably right. Yeah. Yeah, that's close. Enough. We've spent Thanks enough for time doing talking. that, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I do want well, to talk so- about uh, Gazelle, our first sponsor. Uh, they've been a sponsor for a very, very long time with us here, and we're very happy to have them. Gazelle offers a service that makes your life way easier when you have an old piece of Apple hardware that you want to get rid of and turn into cash or perhaps a new piece of Apple hardware or another piece of hardware of any kind. You go to gazelle.com. You can do this on your iPhone. The the user interface is awesome on every platform. It's just super easy. You go to gazelle.com. You don't even tell them who you are at first. You just tell them what you have. Yeah. So I've got an an iPhone 5S. It's a, you know, 32 gig AT&T. Is it unlocked? Is it not? Yes. No. Is it engraved? Is it not? Yes. No. Uh, Does it, are you going to send it in with the power adapter? Yes or no. You answer, answer all these questions. A little hint. I've never found the power adapter to have a significant value, if any, when sending it in. So keep your power adapter unless you truly don't need it and are going to throw it away. So uh, you answer all those questions and then you, of course, you answer what condition is it in? Is it pristine? Is it, you know, normal, used, but not destroyed? Or is it in kind of bad condition? You answer those that question and then they show you a number, a dollar number, a price. We sometimes call it. You either like the price or you don't. If you don't like the price, guess what? You're done. If you do like the price, you say, yes, please send me a box. They ask you for your name and address at that point, And they even encourage you to set up an account so that you can track the process of all of this. And then they send you a box on their dime. You have spent nothing. In fact, you will not spend anything except a little bit of time because when the box arrives, you'll put your iPhone in the box, in this example, it could be an iPad, could be a MacBook. Put it in the box, take out the packing tape that's in the box and the return shipment label, which is either in the box or kind of on the box. Seal up the box, put the right label on it, send it back. That's it. Your investment in this process is finished because Gazelle covers the costs of shipping it back and forth. When they get it, 
They evaluate it. They decide if what you sent them is what you said you were going to send them. And then guess what? You're finished. You get your money. You can either get a check. You can get paid via PayPal. Or if you like, you can get paid in Amazon bucks and get an extra 5% right from Gazelle. That's it. It's that simple. Gazelle.com. That's where you can sell off all your old Apple hardware. And now they even allow you to buy old and now certified by Gazelle hardware. So check them out. Gazelle.com. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show for so long. Thanks to you, our listeners, for checking them out and supporting them for so long. And do be sure to choose Mac Geekab in the Who Referred You check down or drop down upon checkout. We appreciate it. It lets them know that you heard about it from us. And that's a good thing. Thanks to Gazelle. All right, John. We have... We have a ton to go through today. We'll never get through it all. Michael writes and Michael asks, I'm going to find this somewhere here, John. There we are. He says, um, after watching WWDC, so this is the first time you and I have spoken since the WWDC keynote. We spoke right before it happened. And then, uh, and then I think we've, we've both spoken to other people, but we've never spoken to each other nor to our listeners. So we'll use this as the opportunity to do a little bit of that. Michael says, after watching the keynote, I have three questions and we'll, we'll, we'll let him ask all of his questions and, and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about him and springboard off into whatever other WWDC stuff we might want to discuss. Currently, I use iTunes on my Macs and iOS devices. Plus, I subscribe to iTunes Match and iTunes Radio. I have 7,000 uploaded tracks and growing. My question, my first question is, how will the new music service iTunes Music impact me as an iTunes Match and Radio subscriber? And what about iTunes itself? Is Apple going to merge or do away with any current offerings? Number two, I often find iOS doesn't reliably keep background apps running when you open a new app in the foreground. Will the new split screen fix this? Will both foreground apps truly run simultaneously? For example, I would like my IP camera feed, which is video only, no audio, to run simultaneously with a voice recorder app using the microphone side by side. And will split screen run on an iPhone 6? Plus, if not, why not? And number three, do we have any reason to think iOS 9 will fix the incredibly annoying stability issues with iOS 8? For example, my wife and I both find we have to stop and reboot iOS 8 once or twice a day because the devices will just freeze up, usually at a very inopportune moment. So uh, going through the questions quickly, uh, I'll share my answers, John, then pass it to you. And then at that point, we can kind of springboard off into whatever we want. Michael, uh, I don't know the answers uh, because Apple hasn't given them to us yet, uh, at least not that I've seen, about what will happen to iTunes Match and iTunes Radio. But the the safe assumption is iTunes Match is going to stick around as as a standalone thing, um, f- at least for a while. iTunes Radio, I think, is going away and will become what is Beats One, which is that uh, and, and perhaps more. I, I think if you've used Beats, so, you know, iTunes Radio uh, sorry, iTunes Music, the new service, is an evolvement, if you will, if it has even evolved, of of what Apple currently calls Beats, right? The, the music service that they purchased. So this will, this has a lot of this kind of stuff in it already, you know, curated playlists and that sort of thing. So I think that's all going to merge together into that, as it should. It would be very confusing if they had these separate things all over the place. So I, I think I think that's that's question number one on the iPad Air two or later. Yes. Split screen mode will keep both apps running. I've seen this now. 
your use case is very specific. You want video streaming to you in one and audio streaming away from you in another and not necessarily away, but into the app that I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a use case that's going to need to be tested. And I encourage you to either sign up for the developer beta now and then report feedback or go sign up for what will become the public beta that's, that's coming toward the, uh, I guess the next month, right in July, because that that's a perfect thing for someone to test. I I've put iOS nine on my iPad mini, my retina iPad mini here. And, uh, and I, I'm not going to review it because it's a beta. It's a piece of beta software and I, I it's, it's not expected to be fully functional or, or even fully stable, but I will say that it is mostly stable. In fact, it's, it's at least as stable as iOS eight for me, but there are some weird things, different apps react differently. So know this, if you're going to start putting betas on your, on your thing, specifically the two things I've run into are sometimes a dialogue box that an app should pop up at the middle of the screen winds up all scrunched up at the top of the screen and you kind of have to scroll through options. It's a very weird thing. And if you don't know the app ahead of time, you will never know what it's saying to you. So, uh, so beware uh, again, it's beta software, not surprising. I'm sure all of this will be sorted out by both Apple and the app vendors by the time iOS nine is released, but bear that in mind. And then number two, I've had some weird video flicker things with different apps that, that do like some remote control stuff and, and that sort of thing. And again, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's to be expected, but otherwise it's, it's been quite stable and I've been, I've been pretty happy with it on the iPad. Uh, as far as stability for you, you're rebooting twice a day, even once a day because of stability. That's not normal. Even given uh, the complaints that are pretty rampant about iOS eight stability, you've got a different problem. I think you need to wipe those phones and, and start from scratch uh, and if you have done that, then you've got some app that's just running amok on those things. Apps do not have to be launched after boot to be running. Some apps will just start running on their own. So use something like System Activity Monitor on iOS to see what apps are using the CPU in the background, and, and that might help you narrow that down. Thoughts, John? Uh, to follow up on that, and then I'll go backwards yeah uh, sure but to follow up on that the other thing it sounds to me like you you may have one or more problematic applications running on your device because yeah, yeah i agree with you dave that is uh, i can't remember the last time i had to reboot my phone um every once in a blue moon i, I think i have to because i see that the standby and the usage time are the same and that shouldn't be the case right and maybe that indicates that there's an app that's misbehaving but um, I've never had the thing lock up. Now, there is a place, I don't remember where it is off the top of my head, where you can look at the crash logs that are being generated uh, by the phone and are sent off to Apple. So you may want to look in that section. And I don't know if you remember where it was. Dave. You know, it it has changed. I believe I'm looking in, in my iPhone, which is iOS 8, just to make sure I'm, I'm telling people the right place. But I believe it's now in privacy, diagnostics, and usage uh, you have to have automatically send checked in order for it to capture all of that data. And then inside that, there's another section called diagnostics and usage data. And then it'll be there. Uh, lots and right. lots and lots of them. So, okay. And that's yeah. where you're going to see log files for, um, yeah, all sorts of things. Correct. Um, <clears throat> so you may want to see if there's a particular application that, that tends to want to generate these reports and, and crash on you and maybe, 
get rid of that app. So that's what I think is happening is there's there's one or more misbehaving apps that's causing you this grief. Well, the, here it is, John. This is the moment. Four weeks of audio right here. That was it. We just hit the 24 minute mark. Yay. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think <laughs> it's inherent. <laughs> I don't believe it's inherent to the OS. Now, to, to go back to the uh, some of the other points here, you know, I got to say the music thing. Uh, I don't think I was the only one that was disappointed by it, Dave. Same. Number number one, I don't believe that it was deserving of the one more thing thing. Wow. I got to wag my finger at Tim for that, because to me, one more thing usually is something that's pretty exciting. And maybe Tim was excited about the, it. I the last know. one more thing we had was the watch. And that was the first one more thing we'd had since Steve Jobs came. Right. Uh, and I, I'd say that uh, as far as I can see, that's more deserving of uh, one more thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, this is, uh, so I have some thoughts about, about a music service and Apple's ability and just culture and whether or not it's the right thing. Now, there's a lot of smart people that work at Apple. They have a ton of money. Uh, obviously they could, they could do whatever they want to do, but I don't think they're the right company to successfully do a streaming music service because streaming music to me requires two things, a, a successful streaming music service two things and they're tied together one is discoverability right i want to be able to find new software new <laughs> new software i do but i also want to be able to find new music that's going to be of interest to me and number two directly tied to that i believe is social now apple's obsession with privacy is understandable and i like it but it also limits them from doing anything social but i still think they could do it and, and here's what I mean. This is the experience that I would love to see a an online, you know, streaming music service replicate. I go to a concert, right? Uh, I'm sitting next to someone I've never met before. They are anonymous to me. But we both know we like that band that's going to be up there in 20 minutes after we've sat down and taken our seats. Right. So we know we have this common interest. And invariably, you can start up a conversation with somebody and say, hey, did you have you seen him before? What are your things? Right. Then you talk a little bit about the band that's about to come on stage. And then perhaps it evolves into other bands that you've seen or they've seen or you like to listen to or they like to listen to. And you have this very valuable, very specific, very targeted, yet very anonymous conversation at the end of the show. Hopefully neither one of you threw up on each other. And uh, maybe you held that dude while he was crowd surfing, if that's your thing. And then you go home and you never talk to this person again, very anonymous. I don't know who this person is. I have no idea unless he chose to share that with me, but I've gotten valuable information from that person about another band that I might like, and perhaps him for me, right? I, I want that experience replicated online. If I'm listening to a band, it would be great if somebody just shared that with me, you know, share if we could share that experience, they're listening to that band at the same time, we can chat a little bit and have this anonymous thing. And maybe we don't want to be anonymous anymore. And we want to reveal ourselves to each other and, and, and our identities to each other, not ourselves. Cause that's, that gets weird, but um, you know, and then, and then maybe follow up and chat more or, or whatever, but that's what needs to happen. And, and here's the thing. The only service in my mind that's ever done that right is Napster. The very first of the online music services. Now, of course, Napster was based on an illegal uh, premise or what turned out to be an illegal premise. But if I wanted to download the Rolling Stones from you, John, you know, if I searched Napster and I said I wanted to download a Rolling Stones tune, let's say, and you had it in your library, I could start downloading that from you. And then I could search your library 
and see what else you had in your library specifically. And that was a great way to discover music. Now, again, it was predicated on this thing that it turned out to be considered illegal. I think that's still a very gray area, to be honest with you, but it, but it doesn't matter. The lawyers shut it down. But if we both subscribe to the same streaming music service, well, then that's not illegal, is it? We both have access to all the same tunes. I want to browse your playlists without you having to publish them or anything, just anonymously. That's what I would like to do. That's my yep. thought. So anyway, I yeah. know, a little bit of a ramble, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. The, 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 yeah, the, their point was, you know, how do we get the, the artists in touch with the fans and the fans with the artists? And it's like, well, no, no, your, your point is how about getting the fans in touch with the fans? That's it. <laughs> get the fans in touch with, and Apple has never done that well or never done it. Spotify is the least worst at that. They're not great, yeah. but they're the least worst. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So, um, so enough about music. Um, iOS and background, I've, you know, I've never had a problem with that. The, the one app that I run moves, uh, it, it's kind of sluggish to update itself, but it, it certainly, when I'm out and about it, it keeps track of what I'm doing. You know, it guesses when I'm biking and when I'm walking and gives me notifications. So, uh, I guess what I would say is, uh, I'm going to rewind to the beginning of, of the WWDC thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, you know, the first thing they talked about was El Capitan, which, um, based on the naming, now, first I thought Kirk or Picard, you know, because that's the major. <laughs> I like that. You know, major conflict, I think, for anybody that, you know, is into captains of starships. Uh, is, which one do you prefer? <laughs> I think I like Picard better. But um, El Capitan implies and they said this uh is a location within yosemite so what they're implying and stating here i think is that this is an incremental release kind of like leopard snow leopard things like that and i think it should be because i think yosemite had and still has a couple of rough edges and could certainly use uh more under the hood uh fixing than piling more features on now they did add some and, and it was nice you know some ui stuff you know, the cursor, uh, you know, mail, they made mail more iOS like uh, there's more, you know, Safari has some new features. I think the, the full one screen that, side know, by side. Right. That's yeah. in OS 10 as well or in El Capitan as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, the thing that I think was nice and, you know, a lot of people pointed out, oh, well, Apple isn't the first, you know, to bring this feature to the table. It's like, well, yeah, the, who, who is? But um, where is the audio that's bugging me coming from so I can figure so I can shut it down. Yeah, there's some, that's there's some nice updates to Safari that are being baked into El Capitan. That's right. Yeah, but they're, they're Safari specific things. Uh, there's also the spotlight stuff, right? Where spotlight gets more contextual. Yep. And, and, that's, and that's good. Again, Apple, like you said, Apple's not the first to do this, but, uh, but it's good that they're doing it. And we'll see how it works. Yeah. yeah. Um, probably one of the bigger things and you know a, a, another case of something getting sherlocked which for those that don't know is apple basically putting functionality that used to be in a third party product into the operating system but um the improvements to notes look uh very compelling and uh if i was uh evernote uh i'd probably be looking over my shoulder try to keep ahead of the game and, and as far as i can see evernote you know based on the amount of time i've been using it uh you know, they, they got their niche. I, I don't think notes, but, but it was nice to see all the improvements uh, that they offered in the notes application. 
Yeah. I use it pretty frequently. My concern with notes is twofold. I think it's great that they're adding some of these features, right? Um, and, and there will be plenty of people that just use it. The, the, the issues with it are a, you're still relying on iCloud for syncing, which has been notoriously horrible. Um, in, in, you know, in a, in a wide sense. And then number two, there's no selective syncing. So you and I can't share notes, a, a, a subset of our notes with each other. Right. So the, the, the personal use case that I just want to have my own notes stuff. I think, I think you're right. Notes will be great. Uh, but in terms of the business use case, it's not there. And that's fine. Apple doesn't aim to solve that problem. They, they, so that if you want to know Evernote's niche, that's it right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, the performance increases, that's, that's always good. You know, so they talked about, you know, app launching, switching, uh, mail, getting its first mail, which I, I think that's more of a mail problem. Yeah. So focusing on performance. It's uh, good. Yeah. Is good. Um, Honestly, I got to admit, Dave, the only performance issue that I continue to have and maybe revamping Safari will fix it is, uh, you know, I mean, I got the, the machine, the most powerful machine I have here is a quad core, you know, 2.3 gigahertz, I think. Yeah. The only app that is continually sluggish for me is if I'm on Facebook and I'm in Safari trying to scroll around and stuff. Yeah, you got to close the Facebook window. Uh, if you don't, <laughs> it will it, you, you'll come back and Safari will be taking up six gigs of RAM. It and and this is true of not just Facebook, but any app that auto populates the screen with new content constantly. Mm-hmm. Twitter is the same way, but there's there's others, right? I mean, anything that's just where there's there's some sort of script running in the site that that continually refreshes, or if the server does pushes to to the open page, you don't want to just leave that in a tab in the background. And I don't know how Apple can fix that, uh, but that's something yeah. I don't th- I don't know that they well. They could. They got it. They've got to do something because Safari's RAM usage. If I leave it on overnight, man, it bloats right up. It's bad news. Yeah. Um, they mentioned Metal on the Mac. Uh, I think that's good and bad. I think it's good to get better performance. You know, graphic performance. I think it may not be so great because you know they they were kind of bashing OpenGL and you know OpenGL. Uh, you know, the nice thing about OpenGL, it's something that you can target and deploy across platforms, whereas now Metal, you have to specifically write to Metal. So the good news is that it may, you know, you're going to get better performance. The bad news, I think, is that, um, you know, it may create more work for the devs. Right. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So iOS, all right. iOS yeah, 9. Let's, let's, let's move. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's move. We don't need to rehash everything. But, but you know, fa- favorite notes from from the keynote. Um you know, iOS nine again getting the, uh, the 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 performance. Hopefully, the performance improvements. Like I said, I'm running it now on my on my iPad, and it's at least as stable and fast as iOS eight. And again, this is a beta, so it's not fair to even make that comparison. But it's relevant in a in a sense. The the split screen stuff is actually pretty cool. I can't do the full split screen experience here, but I can do the swipe in from the side. And that's actually really nice being able to have an app open and then jump to something else. These, it only shows apps that are built with auto layout. So they, they're apps that will automatically, which Apple has been pushing for over a year or a year now, really hard uh, pushing for a year, 
which is telling developers to design their apps so that they fit on any size screen. And this was initially seen as Apple's way of telegraphing to developers. Hey, we're coming out with a device in the fall. That's a different layout than you've seen before. And of course that was true with the, uh, with the six plus, but um, it's also true with this. So auto layout's important and hopefully um, I mean, app developers have been getting on board with it. So, so that part's cool. The, but my favorite UI feature of iOS nine is the video uh, where you can do picture in picture. Cause so many times I've oh, got yeah, a video yeah. running and I want to go do something and just let it run. I don't need to see the video. I just kind of want to hear the audio and sort of half pay attention. And it's nice to have the option to do that. It works already. It works well. And it's only going to get better as, you know, again, as they put some polish on it and see what it, what it gets in the way of and, and all that. So those, those are my favorite things about, about iOS nine. That's what sticks out in my head. What about you, John? Um, some of the things, uh, yeah, I'll speed it up here. Um, Apple pay. Okay. That's great. Um, I think the square device letting more people take it is good. And also, uh, oh my gosh, there's a female executive at Apple. Wow. Yeah, there's uh, there's quite there's time. quite a few of how them, they, in fact. I know. Yeah, we saw two of them. So uh, hats mm-hmm. off to them because uh, I mean, again, it was, these uh, are not, I knew they existed. These are not new employees, <laughs> right? I, right? I mean, I think both of these women have worked at Apple for multiple decades. So yeah, yeah. it just strikes me that they hardly ever, uh, you yeah. know, let let any women on stage during yeah. keynotes. Um, uh, this is well. Did you watch um, Schiller's interview with John Gruber uh, that he did on on Tuesday no. night? No. Oh, you totally should. Oh, it's it's well worth it because it's free. But uh, yeah, John Gruber had had uh, pulled quite a, a coup at WWDC for his live version of the talk show. He had Phil Schiller as his only guest, uh, which is kind of a big deal. And because Schiller wasn't on stage at the keynote, it just didn't work out that way. But throughout the interview, Phil acknowledges that, yeah, you know, at a he's worked with the, both of these women for a long time and they've been part of uh, many successful product launches. They've just never been on stage at the keynote. And uh, and now they were. And and he said that this is a very, this is a priority of of Tim Cook's to to change Apple's public image. And 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 what really it. It, it hit home for me when he said, you know, part of our reason for wanting to do this is to inspire young women. In fact, he, that seemed like the primary reason show, you know, if, if they put people on stage and someone, a young a child can identify with that person. And, and of course, gender is just one way to identify with people, but it's an easy one, right? Because you're either one or the other. And uh, at least, you know, in a, in a, in a sense as a kid and they, uh, and, and so the, the goal uh, you know, as part of it is to to show young women, hey, yeah, you know, I, I can I can aspire to this and I, I can, you know, be successful in tech. And, and so that's it was good. It's actually it's a great interview that, that John did with with uh, Phil Schiller. You should okay. watch it. Yeah. Or yeah. Listen, or listen it to it. I mean, um, you can they've got the video in the audio. So, yeah. And in that vein, too. So they introduced a, a news app and also had, you know, a, a, the leader of that team who is a, a female uh, yep. talk about it it's nothing you know i guess people say oh well flipboard's been doing that forever and it's like yeah they probably have been so uh, but you know apple has their own option now so we'll, yeah. we'll see what that's like yeah um, I, as a news publisher i'm curious to we'll, we'll you know we'll put tmo in there and and all that good stuff i like that it is an open system and it's not closed out that's that's really nice actually so yeah and the final thing to wrap that up is, uh, you know, Health Kit also includes uh, things for the ladies, which, uh, hey, that's that's good. Uh, I don't oh, think totally. it was an over. I don't think it was an oversight in the first version. I think it was 
they're responding to feedback. I think the first version, they're like, you know, let's let's start with things that are gender neutral and kind of see what people think. And people told them what they think. So it's like, okay, well, <laughs> put in the reproductive health stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's about, and then there was some, I, I don't know how you, uh, I don't have the watch, so I don't have much thoughts on that. But the, the last thing was, you know, lots of improvements to, to the watch. I guess actually the only thing I would say is, you know, if uh, anything jumped out at me as something that's uh, compelling is native apps on the watch. That's my that's understanding is that yeah, that, my understanding. And, and so that means that the watch is not always uh, dependent on the phone to, so to get things done. What happens right, right now is the watch, uh, you launch an app on the watch and sometimes the gear just spins and spins while the companion app or the parent app, I should say, launches in the background on your phone or doesn't launch in the background on your phone. And then it just spins forever. But once it finally launches, the app on your phone goes in either assembles or collects and assembles and processes the data that your watch would need and then hands it to your watch. So there's this lag, but, uh, but that, that will potentially change. It's up to developers to, to do it. I think that was how the watch was intended to work, work in the first place was that the, the, the watch itself could run native apps. But uh, but I think to get it out the door, they, they probably had to cut that corner and uh, and do it. Now, here's the thing. Right now, I can get two plus days of battery life out of my watch. But let's think about this. The watch is doing very little processing of any data. It's just it is using wireless right to go to the phone and get its data. But it's not doing any processing of its own. So I wonder and I have nothing to back this up. In fact, I've been told by um, people that tell me uh, that no, in fact, this does not should not impact battery life. But I wonder if we'll get closer to that 18 hours of battery life as opposed to the, you know, 45 hours of battery life that we have now. And, and we'll see it. You know, it just remains to be seen. But uh, I'm told I'm told by people that should know that. No, that's not the case. But we'll find out. I want to talk about our second sponsor, John. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G is where you go to get 10 free days of their awesome training videos. If you're listening to this show, it means you like to learn stuff. And that's what Linda does. They teach you stuff. They put together. And I, when I say put together, they produce awesome training videos. Not only is the video great. But there's obviously audio with it. That's also great. Then there's the course materials. Sometimes you get PDFs or little worksheets. Those are great. They have chapters that go along with each course so that you can kind of manage your flow through things. Those are great. You can press pause, of course. The teachers are great. These are pros at what they do. Some of them are staff teachers that do nothing but work for Linda. But others are people who are just experts in their field that Linda couldn't possibly hire. Uh, because they're out doing everything else that they do as well. And yet these people go and teach courses for Linda. It's awesome. It really, really is absolutely fantastic. These videos, I've learned so much and they are, they run across the board. You want to learn JavaScript. You want to learn HTML. You want to learn C++. Yes, all the tech stuff is covered. But do you want to learn accounting? Sure. Personal accounting, business accounting. Do you want to learn how to invest, Right. We, we all know we should be investing, but how much do you know about that? And it's kind of embarrassing sometimes to ask about that. It's stupid that it's embarrassing, but it is. It's fine. Go to Linda. Learn there. 
learn a little bit, then you can start to talk to your friends and get more information once you've got this foundation of knowledge. And maybe you'll understand a little bit more about what they're talking about when they're saying options and puts and calls and all of that stuff. So you got to check this out. It's uh, lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash M-G-G. And it's important to us and to Linda that you go to that URL. It'll be linked in the show notes. But in case you're just remembering it, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash M-G-G. That gets you 10 free days. And yes, you can get 10 free days from Linda directly, but then they have no idea where you heard about it or why you went there. Uh, and that kind of leaves them in the dark. So we'd appreciate it if you'd use the URL, lynda.com slash MGG. Go sign up. It's 10 free days. Uh, after that, it's cheap, man. It's 25 bucks a month for access to everything. That's where the, the plans start. You can uh, pay a little bit more and get offline access to all this stuff, but for 25 bucks a month, and of course, during the 10 day free trial, you can stream to your Mac, to your iPhone, to your iPad, and, uh, and it works really well. So check it out, please. LYNDA.com slash M G G John on my, uh, on my flight out, uh, I had, I flew on JetBlue, and we talked about, we talked right after I flew out to San Francisco, but, uh, but we neglected to mention this. Their plane had a new Wi-Fi service on it. It was called FlyFi. Now I slept for the first four hours of the flight, so I wasn't going to buy Wi-Fi for the, the next, you know, whatever, two and a half it was. And when I say four hours, I mean from the moment I got on the plane, I don't even remember taking off, but I'd had a rough night. It was or a late night, long night, whatever it was. FlyFi. And one thing, it's free right now because it's in beta, but one thing that caught my eye was it said free access connects you to the world below, browse the internet, stream video, Check emails, use social networks, etc. Stream video. This is something that is expressly forbidden on all of the other services because stream video, you know, it's, it's, it's going to use up all the bandwidth. Well, not so. Uh, I did very well. I did some bandwidth tests, John, because, you know, that's uh, that's the kind of guy I am. And uh, it was interesting. I got about 700 milliseconds as a uh, as a ping time. But uh, but I was getting, you know, 15 to 20 megabytes per second downstream. And then about, you know, somewhere between a half a megabyte and one megabyte per second or megabit per second. Sorry. Uh, upstream. So this is plenty fast. This downstream of, of you know, 15 plus megabits per second is more than enough to do streaming video. And in fact, I did. Plus they've got some stuff that's on board the plane. It's got to be on board the plane. Cause some of this stuff was responding really quickly. They have, you know, if you go to flyfy.com from the plane, it, it it's got different things. It'll show you where you are in the air, but it also has some streaming movies and videos and, and that sort of thing. So it's cool to see this happening. Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see when it launches there's, there's, there's three levels of it. The first two are free. I think the first one will always be free. That's the one that just gets you to the stuff on the plane. The second one is to access, you know, the ground below. I don't know what that's going to cost, but then the more expensive one, uh, pay per hour to transfer large files, play online games and more. So that's going to maybe get you a faster, shorter uh, uh, turnaround time. That That's nine bucks an hour right now. So that's probably too much uh, for, for my blood. But uh, but there's, it means there's going to be something something quite a bit less than that. So curious to see it. So I just wanted to share that. Keep an eye on it on JetBlue Jet flights. They they didn't make a big deal out of it on the plane, uh, but obviously it was nice to have. Check it out. Moving on, John. Sure. 
All right. Uh, Bobby asks, I have a couple questions for you regarding your Apple Watch. Do you use any type of case or screen protector for your Apple Watch? And would you say that it's become your everyday watch? So, yeah, I do have a screen protector on it. I got a spec candy shell fit. Uh, it was just one of those things that showed up in the mail. Uh, and I thought, well, this looks stupid. And then I put, but I put it on my watch anyway, because I figured I'd try it. And I have yet to take it off. And that was a week and a half ago. It's really lightweight. It sits very comfortably on the screen. In fact, you don't even have to take the watch off to put the the thing on. It just kind of snaps over the, the screen. And it's got that classic sh- the spec look with the, you know, the hard plastic around the edge and then a, a soft uh, kind of rubberized bumper sort of thing. And man, walking around San Francisco with that thing, uh, I didn't worry traveling with it. I didn't worry about nicking the edges or the screen or anything like that. It's uh, I really liked it. So and I'm sure there's there's others coming from from spec and other manufacturers as well. So it's uh, it's it's definitely something I've enjoyed. And, and whether it's my my everyday watch. So. I mentioned, I'll do this quickly. I mentioned on the show that I, I hated it for the first two weeks because it sort of barfed the, the iPhone barfed everything onto the watch initially. Now uh, I've turned off almost everything and I only have the apps and glances on there that I really want. And I do, I really like it. Uh, yesterday. I, I really loved it in San Francisco, especially this week. One of the best things, John was walking directions because the watch, I, you know, I'd set my phone to, you know, go to wherever I was going to go back to the apartment or whatever. Even if I knew where I was going, it's just kind of nice to have this reminder. And the cool part is the watch taps you just like it does when you're driving one way to turn left and another way to turn right. So you don't even have to look at the watch to know which way to go. And it was really handy to have that just right there. And, and it works well. So but it, it, there were lots of things that I like the notifications on it. Um, it was, it has been my daily driver watch since April 24th when it arrived yesterday, I decided I need to experience life without the Apple watch to see now how much I miss it. So today is day two of me not using it. I'll, I'm sure I'll use it again while we travel to Mac stock and the uh, Midwest Mac barbecue next weekend, John. So, uh, and a Pepcom on Thursday night. So I wanted to give myself some of this home time to, to play with it. I missed it yesterday in Boston. I went and spoke. I did the keynote speech at uh, podcast new England yesterday morning. And I did miss it walking around the streets of Boston, just finding my way. I kind of had to, I, pull, I had to pull out my phone a couple of times and say, Oh yeah, that's right. I got to turn left here. What have you? So yeah, I like it. It's uh, I have, I almost, I only slightly missed wearing my other watches when, uh, when having the Apple watch on. So I think that answers the question. It's very handy. I wouldn't say that it's mandatory, but it's, it sure is handy. Thoughts on this, John? You don't have an Apple Watch yet, right? No. Okay. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's not mandatory. Handy. Brett wrote in about show 555. He said, uh, I found a sat, we were talking about, connecting an SSD up to a very, very old Mac. And we mentioned you had to be careful because you had to get one that was not a uh, SATA bus SSD as most are. And you had to get one that was a parallel ATA or a PATA bus, even though we don't really call it that. And uh, Brett found one, an adapter at Otherworld Computing called the SATA to IDE adapter. And sure enough, it does exactly that. It lets you plug in uh, a SATA drive into a, a, an IDE bus. So 
Well, it's 25 bucks. We'll put that in the show notes. Good stuff. Thank you for that. Brett, John, you want to take us to, uh, you want to take us to Rick? Yes. Oh, dude, this was so much fun. And I, I cleared up some misconceptions that I have. And I think you did too. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Rick wrote in and Rick has a problem. So Rick, let me get the screenshot here. There we go. Just scrolling. Okay. So Rick says, I'm running an old PowerPC version of Fourth Dimension on an old MacBook Pro. I just purchased one of the newest ones, and I'm having trouble running it. I did a clean install of OS 10.6, which I believe is Snow Leopard, on the external drive, ran the latest updates, and when I tried starting up my new MacBook Pro, it froze after displaying the text below, reverse mode startup. If there's a reasonable way to run 10.6 on this machine, it will give me time to leisurely upgrade my software. If not, I will be forced to do it quickly. Any idea what will be... Any ideas? And yeah, it stops uh, pretty early in the uh, boot process. It looks like it gets stuck at system library caches, com.apple.kext. So some kernel extension cache that it, it, it gets all cranky about. And it just wedges. So my initial thought, Dave, was, well, hey, why not run it in a, why not run it in a, in a virtual machine? Sure. My suspicion was that because it's 10.6, it's probably missing some drivers or it's making the wrong decision as far as what drivers or kernel extension, um, same thing in my mind, uh, it should use on this newer hardware. Okay. So that's why I think this is happening. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll buy that. So I'm like, wow, you know what? Maybe maybe you could run this on a virtual machine, and uh, maybe that'll work. Uh, and there, there are a few of them. Uh, I suggested perhaps VirtualBox, which is uh, from Oracle, and it's uh, free. And uh, then you chimed in, Dave, and you actually found an article that uh, told you, uh, you know, how, 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 to, how to go about this. Because there is a caveat running... Um, so the thing is, the current version of VirtualBox, so I download VirtualBox, and, and the thing is, uh, you can, uh, running on a Mac, you can choose to create a virtual machine that is a Mac. And so during the setup process in VirtualBox, it'll say, okay, what OS do you want to emulate? And you say OS ten, And then it'll be like, okay, uh, what specific version would that be? And this is the only hiccup that I ran into. Well, there are two hiccups. So one, it says, well, do you want to run the 64-bit version of Snow Leopard or the 32-bit version? And... Uh, the first time I did it, I chose the 64, and the install did not make oh, much progress. yeah, right, right. I'm not quite sure why. I, I thought it was 64-bit, but I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's try it again. Let's do, let, let me make the choice within VirtualBox when I'm setting it up. And, and I think uh, some have said the VirtualBox has some rough edges, and it's not as nice as Parallels or VMware, but... Uh, in my case, I, I thought it was pretty straightforward. Again, I said, okay, OS 10, uh, OS 10 specifically, Snow Leopard 32-bit. And then it asked, uh, you know, how much RAM? And then I think, how large would you, would you like to make the virtual hard drive? I'm like, okay. Uh, here's the only caveat. And, and this is in the article that both you and I found, Dave, or you, you pointed out, is that when you get to the point of what disk to install it on, uh, I think it's a glitch in VirtualBox is that it doesn't see the virtual drive that you just created. So what you have to do is when you're running the installer, you actually have to run disutility 
uh, highlight the, I think it's a VSD file or some virtual disk file, and you actually have to format it. Once you do that, then the Snow Leopard installer will see the, um, will see that disk and you can install on it and run it. And how do I know that you can do that, Dave? It's because I am doing that because I actually do have a Snow Leopard. <laughs> I actually have a Snow Leopard CD and sure. a CD drive in my MacBook Pro. But then here's the problem. I started reading and I'm going to have to wag my finger at some people out there. But then some people were like, and even Parallels does this. So I tried the same thing under Parallels, Dave's, and it's like, no, 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 this, you're not allowed to run this operating system in a virtualized environment. And I'm like, well, who says? So I, I, I believe, um, well, what was after Snow Leopard? Lion, right? Lion was the first OS to specifically allow running in a virtualized environment for the client for the, you know, what we'll call the client or the workstation version, the server version of snow leopard had the provision in the license that says, yes, you can run it in a virtualized environment. Nothing before that said this and that and parallels and VMware have adhered to that, um, to that interpretation because that's Apple's, interpretation then i'm going to give you my interpretation dave yeah because i'm curious both of us yeah well but well the thing is you and i both looked at the so i'm like first off where can i find the license agreement for Hmm. snow leopard you know i i I don't save these things well apple has it online sure for both the server and the client version of snow leopard so i went into the license agreement and looked in there, and the only thing that they say, Dave, permitted license uses and restrictions. The only thing they say, I'll go through it quickly. Uh, the, to me, the relevant part is that you have a non-exclusive license to install, use, and run one copy of the Apple software on a single Apple-branded computer at a time. You agree not to install, use, or run the Apple software on any non-Apple-branded computer. That's all that it that, that's yeah. the only restriction in there, Dave. And I now, am. Did you compare that to the Snow Leopard server license agreement? Because I think there no. you'll find the, the statement about it virtualized stuff being being separate. But but if we were to take this to a court of law, right, the way uh, contracts and licenses and things are uh, any legal documents are interpreted is the drafter is the least important party. So if you draft the agreement or in this case, Apple drafts the agreement. The interpretation of the agreement, any the interpretation of any nebulous clause in the agreement always falls on the side of always falls against the drafter, because that way you're not incentivized to write some nebulous, like weird language. that You could say, oh, no, 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 no. What I meant by that was, well, if that's what you meant, you should have said it. This it could be interpreted either way. And so we get to go the other way. We get to go against you. So I, you're totally right that Apple Apple's interpretation of this would not hold up because their thing just says you can run it on Apple hardware. However, that's not how Apple sees it. Now, I don't think Apple really cares, but (laughs) you know what I mean? I think what they care about is we're not going to go back and pay our lawyers to rewrite the license agreement for Snow Leopard because it would probably cause some sec thing because now we're we're repurposing old software that we gave away but we didn't really give away we sold it with a computer and yada 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 right it gets very very there's all these repercussions and so my guess is they've just closed the door on this but because at the time apple made it very clear that their interpretation 
was the server version was very specifically allowed to be virtualized and nothing else was very specifically allowed to be that way. Parallels in VMware to stay in Apple's good graces do not mm. allow, they follow Apple's interpretation of the rules. Now, if you want to run Snow Leopard client on VMware, you just need VMware Unlocker for OS 10. And uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. This is not supported by VMware, at least not that I know of. <laughs> um, but uh, but that that's the way that that's the way to do it. And it just it just removes the restriction from the software. It works just fine. But uh, but that that's yep. that's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I could see, you know, it says, like you said, it said it, it, it may run on Apple hardware. Now, it doesn't say run directly on Apple hardware. Right. I mean, it's 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 nebulous. It's an unclear. It's a it's bad. It's bad. It's bad language. Right. It, it not bad language, like four letter words. But, um, you know, it's just it's unclear. And, and does not appropriately right. represent. Yeah, no, it's good though. I, I, nice find, man. That's great. And VirtualBot doesn't me, care, right? They just, yeah. And, just and to me, a prohibited use would be doing this on a non-Apple computer, like a PC, because then, and they go into some detail in the agreement, because to get it to run on a PC, you would then have to hijack or copy Apple's ROM and firmware code, as far as I know, in right. order for this to work. That they expressly prohibit in here and that they say no no you can't do anything with the rom or the firmware because that belongs on the apple hardware right so i believe i am so technically so so to answer <laughs> the original question of rick technically this will this, this should work i'm not i'm not sure what machine you have if it's uh, i have a 2012 he says he has a new macbook pro right so i'm going to guess this this will work so te- i so i think you're okay both technically and legally though i think he got back to us and said, you know, I probably should do something to upgrade my setup. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, right, right. that's, so this is going to be a temporary solution. I think, yep. uh, I think, yeah, you should uh, migrate things to a more modern um, <laughs> operating system and, uh, and database. Yeah. So I want to talk uh, very excited. Actually, there's two things I want to talk about. Number one is I want to do a little bit, a, a short bit of, of reminiscing over the last 10 years. I, I just have a couple of things I want to share, uh, but, uh, I don't want to obsess on it, but there have been some cool moments that I want to, uh, that I want to revisit. And I'm curious to hear, hear yours. If you have any, John and yours, if you have any, uh, to all of our listeners, but first I'm also very excited to talk about our third sponsor, which is tunnel bear. Now tunnel bear, we talk a lot on this show about VPNs, right? And the, uh, what a VPN is, is, a way of creating a secure connection between two points. That's what a VPN is. Now there's a lot of different uses for VPNs, depending on what those two points are. Tunnel bears VPN creates uh, a, a connection between you and one of tunnel bears points so that you appear to be coming from somewhere else. And that can be very handy for a lot of things. It also, again, creates a secure tunnel between you and this other point. So if you're staying or if you are somewhere, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you're somewhere where you don't know who has control over the network or you don't know what that person or entity is doing with the network. You might not want to just connect blindly and openly to various connections because you don't know somebody might be sniffing your traffic. So it's better to just 
send everything over a secure tunnel and then they have no idea what you're even connecting to, let alone even if you're connecting to your bank securely, uh, if you're on a network that is managed by someone else, that someone else could see that you're connecting to your bank. They see what server you're connecting to, even if the connection to your bank is encrypted. So by connecting to a VPN like TunnelBear here, you're able to uh, tunnel everything, including your bank connection to your bank over this link. And all they'll see is that you're connecting to TunnelBear and nothing else. Now, here's a couple of cool things about TunnelBear. They could watch you, right? Because, you know, you're connecting via them. They have an awesome privacy policy, and I encourage you to read it. And this is before I tell you that you can use their service for free. Uh, they ask for your first name only, not your last name. You can, you can provide it if you, if you so choose. They keep no logs of usage times or sessions at all. They only save total monthly data used per user uh, or total lifetime connections, but not both. Right. So they know how many times you've won any given account is connected over the lifetime of that account. And then they know how much data that account has used per month. But that's it. They don't know if you used it all in one fell swoop or, or over a period of time. And they keep that for metrics with nothing personally identifiable. No IP addresses are saved for the website or the websites you connect to or the, 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 the places you connect from. No data about where you visited is logged or saved in any way. They're in Canada. And so I'm assuming that, that, you know, Canadian law kind of allows all this stuff, which is great. Uh, if you sign up with a credit card, they, of course, have to capture some more information like your last name to, to prevent fraud. Uh, but they also accept Bitcoin if you truly want to stay anonymous. Uh, so I've tested this. And here's the thing. Go to TunnelBear.com. You can sign up for free. You get 500 megabytes uh, of, of data to use uh, at 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 TunnelBear, and that's just that's just how it works. Uh, so you and that, that 500 megabytes is free every month. So if you only spend a little bit of time at Starbucks or whatever, and, and in various coffee shops, and you just want to make sure you're connected, it works. And here's I've talked about all these great things about TunnelBear. Free isn't the best part. The best part is how simple this is. You can install this on your Mac, on your iPhone, on your iPad, and it just works. It's amazing. Android as well. Um, it, it, and, and Windows, right? So iOS, Android, Windows, Mac. It just works. You, you set up the app on any of these platforms that I've tried. You hit one button and it connects you. Now, I guess you could hit two. You can choose where you want to connect to. So if you want to connect to a, uh, by default, it connects me to one in the U.S., but I could connect to a point in the U.K. if I wanted to masquerade and appear as though I was coming from the U.K. A lot of people use VPNs for, you know, for that purpose as well. And, and TunnelBear is, is no exception, I'm sure. But it just works. There's no magic setup that you have to do in the network or anything. You just, on iOS, you have to accept their, their profile because that's how it, it, it actually uses the iOS VPN connection, but it's all launchable from the app. It's like magic and it's just simple. Uh, I used it while I was in California because I was staying at an apartment. Now I, I you know, I, I feel like I trust the guy that, that has this apartment that we've stayed at a couple of times, John. And, uh, but you know, why, why, why risk it? Right. I'm connecting to all my stuff. I'll just turn on tunnel bear and it works. It's just great. I tested speeds. Uh, I tested them here at home where I've got a hundred. I get a, usually about 120 megabits per second down and usually about 15 megabits per second up. The speed that I was getting uh, over tunnel bear connecting to a U.S. point 
uh, was 30 megabits per second down and six megabits per second up. These are fast speeds. You know, you can stream video over these. You can upload and download files. These are faster than most of us have at home. Uh, so, you know, they, they really and ping times were very short. They've really got an efficient network going. And uh, it's just fantastic. And again, free and simple. You know, one click on off simple connection. You just got to check it out. Tunnelbear.com. I'm going to stop talking about it. You just go check it out. Let us know what you think. And, uh, and we'll go from there. Thanks to Tunnelbear for coming on board as a sponsor. It's great. Stuff. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just simple. It works. No, I tried it. And like within seconds, Dave, I was, it, it said I was surfing from the Netherlands. Right. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I even verified it. I then, you know, did what is my IP? And it's like, yep, you're in the Netherlands. I'm like, yeah, yep. that's what you think. But that's what you think. Yeah. No, it's a totally geeky thing. And it, it solves this. It's a great, and, and their free service is a great way to get, just to get rolling um, and, and try it all out. So you got to check it out. Tunnelbear.com. All right. We talked about, uh, well, it's our 10th anniversary, right? And and I was thinking about this and, and I haven't, you know, I don't tend to I, I can get romantic and reminiscent about the past and all that stuff, but I tend to obsess about it because we, we've always got new stuff to do. And that's why I figured this show would just do what we do and do what we do best. And that is helping you folks and, and teaching you. But we've had some good moments over the last 10 years. And I, I, I just wanted to share a couple of them. Um, our, our first show in my mind was not one of them, obviously a very important thing because it started what we do here, but uh, it was terrible. Uh, so, well, because it was, we thought people want our our model. I think our discussion, you know, because you and I, you know, have kept in touch over the years, right. uh, even when you haven't been in Connecticut, right? And we were like, well, why don't we talk about what interests us? Uh, because we do that anyways, and and see what people think. And very quickly, I think it became obvious that uh, I don't think that, that model was not going to work. And then there are plenty well, of people there was, that come. There was a better model, right? I think that model works fine. And we did some of that here, right? I mean, we talked about what interested us from mm. WWDC and that sort of thing. But but it's, you know, frankly, it's uh, it's a lot of work to come up with topics every week. And you folks have kept us in topics for 10 years. So thank you for that. It's fantastic. And and in return, we, you know, we try to uh, we, we do our level best to to get you information. So, yeah, episode number one was you should listen if you want. You shouldn't. Actually, it's bad. But um, the first episode that felt really special to me was our hundredth episode. It was the first one that we live streamed. Uh, we did not stream every episode since 100. We, it was, we did it as a special thing. We did it with talk show. We took some calls. Um, I, I, rem I haven't listened back to that one in a while, but, but I remember in recording it, that one uh, really felt special to me. It felt like, you know, wow, you know, we're really doing this. Um, this is a cool thing. I mean, we were, you know, a couple of years in at that point. Uh, so that was, that was one. Another one was, and I, I can't remember which it was, but was, I think it was our 300 or, or it was one of our anniversary shows uh, where we had uh, many special guests. You know, we had, we had Barry Falcon, we had Allison Sheridan, we had Ted Landau and, and that, that actually having Ted on meant a lot to me because I was a big fan of, of Ted's Mac fix it site when I was, uh, just doing a bunch of consulting before I, before we even ever had Mac observer before that was even a thought. So that, that show meant a lot for a lot of reasons, but I, I think to me, our best show, and I, and, and this is a very personal thing, 
But uh, because I, I, I frankly, I think our best show is probably one of those that just floats out there. And and hopefully I, I, I you know, it gets um, thrown off the mantle and, and a new a new best show comes up. But I think so. I, I really do. I think our best shows are probably those where we're not paying attention to doing anything different and just doing what we do. And, and occasionally we do it exceptionally well. Uh, hopefully we always do it great. Uh, we aim for exceptionally well and we hit that mark. So I, I know that what I'm about to say is not our best show, but as in terms of non-standard shows, the one that stands out for me is the one that uh, we had scheduled to do and did the day after Steve jobs passed away. And it was hard for you and I initially to come up with the right way to address this. We couldn't ignore it. We had a podcast to record. And what we did was uh, we talked about how all of how certain events that that obviously involve Steve Jobs inspired us to, to then do things or, or experiences that we had together because of of things that, that he had done or did. And uh, and I just really felt like that that show was pretty much perfect. And uh, and I've heard that from several of you as well uh, over over the years. But uh, but that that that's that was one that really stood out for me. Again, it, it was it was certainly different from from what we normally do. But uh, and that's part of why it stands out. But I, I think we I think we we did well on that one. So so those are those are my memories. That's all I got. I'm not going to go crazy on this. In fact, I, I couldn't because I have nothing else to say about it. But uh, but I th- I'm curious if you had any thoughts on that, John. Not. No, okay. not really. Yeah. Uh, I, I, all I'll say to, to with that show is that there were people that I rarely hear from uh, via social media who actually explicitly said, wow, you know what, what you guys did was really touching and, and uh, you know, thought provoking and uh, thanks for doing that. Yeah. And it was kind of different from it's different. Know, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not what we do. Yeah. 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 So I'll find links to those. I'll, 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 I'll find them and, and put them in the, in the show notes or, or one of us will. But um, yeah, thank you folks for, for 10 years. We got a couple of tips we're going to share here. We're, we're not finished with this one, but, uh, but while we're on this, thank you so much for, for 10 years. And I know you, there's, there's some of you who have been with us for, for 10 years, but, uh, but if you've been with us even for just one week, uh, thank you for that. And John, thank you too, man. This is, this is, it's a fun ride we're on. We're not getting off anytime soon, but it's a fun ride we're on. Thank you. Likewise. Hey, keeps me, uh, keeps me sane. And, Same. Uh, yeah. Prevents, uh, prevents turning me, uh, prevents me from turning into a, a hermit. Yeah. And evolving. Yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, it, it was the thing that kind of allowed me to gradually and easily transition out of having, uh, my active consulting business because I, I still get to do a lot of this stuff, the troubleshooting and this stuff that I, I really love. And, and, uh, and I, you know, when, certainly when the show started, there's been times in the middle where I probably did have time to, to, you know, rekindle a consulting business, but, uh, but, uh, this allows me to, to enjoy this process and help all of you and, and really anybody that wants help, uh, in a way that, that fits with what I do and, and all of that. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome. All right. Uh, I want to circle back to the thing we talked about with Rick there, because we did have, uh, something from Max and Max says uh, in last week's show, you were talking about using parallels or virtual box. And one thing you didn't mention, which I didn't know until I installed parallels is that you can create a bootcamp partition, install windows, 
use it, then boot into your Mac, install Parallels, and run the boot camp partition as a virtual machine. I believe VMware does this too. So uh, he says it's the best of both worlds. When I want to run Windows only, I boot into boot camp. Then when I want to do cool stuff, but I need to access my Windows stuff, I boot into Mac mode and run the VM. So it totally is seamless. You can go back and forth. It doesn't change it uh, from what Max is saying. So uh, so there you go. Thank you, Max. That's a great uh, that's a great tip. And I, I, I don't I guess I, I I'm, I'm sure I'd heard about this before, but it certainly didn't didn't stick in my mind. So. Shall we move on to uh, let's do let's see if we can do Mark and Michael here before we before we wrap things up. Mark has an interesting problem. He says, I have a two a mid 2009 17 inch MacBook Pro with eight gigs of RAM and a 2.8 gigahertz uh, Intel Core 2 Duo. Yosemite is installed about a year ago. I upgraded to, to the RAM and I did a clean install of the operating system. Everything's doing fine. He says, but I recently noticed a slowdown when emptying the trash. It takes about four minutes to empty four files and much longer when more files need to be deleted. What can I do to speed up the process besides getting an SSD? Now, this shouldn't happen regardless of what, what your drive is. It shouldn't take a minute per file. This, there's something wrong. And no, the trash is a folder. I mean, it's a directory or folder just like any other, right? That's right. Like Jack. Yeah, that's no, that's totally right. So yeah. I, it shouldn't act any different from. Yeah, the, the, you shouldn't see a, a, a difference between emptying the trash and any other file related activity. Right? Yeah, you're just essentially changing the flags of a file and saying it's not here anymore. It, nothing, nothing more than that should be happening when you're emptying the trash. So. I, I, I shared some thoughts with Mark at first uh, I started thinking, well, do you have anything running that's monitoring your trash? Like, a you know, I think Hazel does. I know clean my Mac does uh, a tech tool might, right. You know, there's, there's these utilities that try to preserve your trash for you, even when you empty it. And that's not a bad thing, but maybe one of them is, is running amok. And so my thought was, well, does this happen in safe mode? Because that will not launch any of those things. And so we did, we heard back from Mark. He said, uh, it took more than 13 minutes to get the login screen when booting into safe mode, but it took less than 30 seconds to delete four files. Uh, he said, uh, and he, and he went through and he, he did some things. Then he restarted normally deleted four more files, still less than 30 seconds. Uh, so something changed about safe mode. And and safe mode does some things that 13 minute to to get to the login screen is not surprising. It runs a lot of maintenance. Specifically, it clears out a lot of cache files and temporary files, uh, in addition to doing some file system cleanup. So it sounds like my guess is that you had some file system corruption, because that's one of the big things that booting into safe mode does is it, it cleans up your directory structure uh, or it attempts to. It's, it's not always successful. Uh, if things are really bad, but that's, that's my guess is that you had some, some directory corruption there. And for whatever reason, you know, any kind of corruption can cause directory operations to take longer than they should. I mean, yours was extreme, I would say, but I'm, I'm glad this fixed it. I would run, uh, I would boot into recovery mode and I would run disk utilities, uh, verify disk. And then if, if, if it sees anything, repair disk or, or just repair disk, if you want to, just fire it all at once. 
and and make sure that you don't have any lingering directory issues too. It could have been some temp file that was in the way, but I doubt it. I think for this, uh, my guess, John, is that it was directory corruption. What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. <clears throat> well, there's a couple other things I would have suggested, but you you took the lead on this one. But uh, a few other things you may want to try if you have weird trash related issues. One is something I haven't had to use very recently, but um, it, it, I think is worth mentioning for people that have stubborn trash issues. It almost sounds like a commercial. Uh, there's something called trash it. Uh, oh yeah. Things no aren't name, deleting. Yeah. From no name scriptware, And uh, I think it just does a, a whole bunch of different things, including maybe fiddling with permissions and stuff like that uh, to try really, really hard to empty your trash. So that's one thing. Another suggestion that I've seen when you have trash issues um, is that you can do this uh, in the Finder. So in the Finder, you will see uh, a couple of options. Uh, right now, I don't see them because I have nothing in my trash. But in the Finder menu, there are two options, empty trash and secure empty trash. Um, some have said that secure empty trash works when empty trash does not. So that's and that one's free. Well, actually, I think the other thing is free, too, that you could certainly donate <laughs> uh, to the guy for writing trash it. So uh, that's two additional suggestions I have for trash issues. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. That's uh, that's step one or that's that's question one. We 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 uh, also want to talk about Michael here. Michael has a question. He says, can you help me find the easiest way to get mail for OS 10? to launch an automator workflow. Uh, also, are there programs that will let you schedule workflows or allow you to sign, assign key commands to launch them? Let's answer the first question first. Um, I'm not sure what you want mail to trigger, but I'm assuming, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'll assume anyway, that you want mail to trigger an automator workflow based on something that happens with an incoming message. Now, mail's rules will allow you to run an Apple script. And you can make an Apple script run an application, which can be an automator workflow. And we'll put some links. There's there's a couple of ways to do this. Uh, the, the easiest way is just a, a short little one-liner Apple script that, that fires off. Um, uh, you you tell application or automator launcher to, to, to run the, the workflow and you're you're good to go. So that that's that's one way you can you can get more complex with it and have it pass data from the uh from mail to it but you know i, I don't you're probably good on that one because because it'll see what message is selected and, and that sort of thing so that that would be uh, to me that's the easiest way to 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 deal with that mail rules are triggered when something hits your inbox and matches a criteria but mail act on is one of my favorite utilities and that allows you to have automator or have rules fire when things go out and also you can just fire rules with keystrokes inside mail so that may solve your other problem uh, lastly if you want to fire an automator action from a system-wide keystroke i would use keyboard maestro so that's those uh those are my thoughts john do you have anything thoughts about uh scheduling launching an app Scheduling the launching of an app. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could uh -huh. use Lingon to do it, right? Uh, 
Well, I would say Kron, even though it's deprecated, but yeah, Lingon, um, but Lingon would, would let you do that. Yeah, Lingon lets you uh, define those sort of jobs last night. Right. Tried it, which was really haven't had a need for that. I mean, the only thing right now, which I think, yeah, it takes care of it um, using some sort of startup script is, uh, you know, I got to dig into this. I mean, the only thing that, that, that I have do that is a karma copy cloner, which wakes up my machine at two in the morning sure, and does a backup and then goes to sleep and it's scheduling. Uh, it's a, a launch D, I guess it, you know, it's doing some launch D type of deal to, uh, to make sure that happens every, every morning. Yeah. That would, that, like that it's would not work. many thoughts because uh, the the one case where I I need it to happen, the application uh, takes care of it behind the scenes for me. Yeah, it does the same thing that you could do yourself with Lingon, right? Is is right. It, it creates its own little p list and puts it in the right spots and all of that good stuff. So, yeah, cool. Uh, uh anything else you want to go through, John? Or is it time to uh, is it time to call ten years, ten years, and and move on, starting the eleventh? I guess we've started oh. the 11th now. That's already happened. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's 10 years in what? Two days now? <laughs> yeah. yeah we're getting... I think it was Friday, wasn't it? Right. No. So, yeah, we recorded, uh, at, you know, we played you the snippet from the first episode and that was recorded on June 13th, 2005. It was released on June 14th, which is today, 2005. So today, when this show is released today, it will mark uh, the, the, the exact 10 year anniversary. I don't know why my guess is that we recorded the show at night on the 13th and wanted to have it up on the site all day. This was a new thing and we wanted it to get some exposure. So we held it and launched it. I think we did it at like seven o'clock the next morning. So yeah, the 14th today, the, the day that we're recording this one is actually um, the day it was released. So, so it's a split a split infinitive no it's a, that's not a that's not that's not the right term you know what i'm saying i don't know do i know what i'm saying john ask grammar girl right yeah totally Maybe she knows what you're saying probably hope so i hope somebody does yes fun stuff <sighs> well, oh wow looks like the uh, chat room just uh barfed on everybody the chat room just reset I, that's I right I just heard the whoosh whoosh sound. Yeah, <laughs> MacGeekab.com slash stream is where you can join us in the chat room when we record the show, for sure. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Feedback at MacGeekab.com is the address to use. You might hear a different address if you go back and listen to the first episode. I think that one still works, but feedback at MacGeekab.com is the right address to use. After, after all these years, I think my hearing is going, Dave, because I thought you said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. And then several years into things, we introduced a new email address, uh, an additional email address, I should say, and that is premium at MacGeekGab.com. That's the address to which you can send email if you are a premium supporter. If you want to learn about what it takes and what's involved in being a premium supporter and directly supporting the show, you can do that at MacGeekGab.com. We've got details right there. And uh, if you can't or won't or aren't interested, that's okay, too. Please keep listening. Keep enjoying. Keep asking us questions. Everything you all do really does uh, contribute and make the show what it is. So uh, you, you are the producers of this show because you send in all the material. And then we pull it together and off we go. So it's great stuff. 206 
666-GEEK is the phone number everybody can use. And, John, that phone number is? 4335. That's right. Pick your favorite of the uh, of the last ones there, John. Podcaster's Choice. Oh, uh, uh, hold on. Let me bring this up here. Oh, look at all that. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, Dave, uh, I would say, I'm, I'm on it all the time here, is the Twitters. Or a Twitter. No, the Twitters. Um, <laughs> I am on Twitter as John F. Braun. He is on Twitter as Dave Hamilton. The podcast, which we both see, is on Twitter as Mac Geekab. The publication is on Twitter as Mac Observer. Thank you so much, folks. Uh Specifically, thanks to Michael Johnston. He's been with us uh, since very, very early on converting the show to AAC and adding all those chapters and really just helping us out quite a bit behind the scenes. Uh, so thank you, Michael, for, for everything. Thanks to the folks at Cashfly. Equally, they've been on. Uh, we've been partnered with them for a very long time as well. They provide us all the bandwidth. They put the show in like 35 different points of presence around the country, around the world, I should say, so that when you download the show, you get it from somewhere local and it comes in lickety Split doesn't matter what point of presence you use with Tunnel Bear, you get it from Cashfly just as fast, which is awesome. We want to thank, of course, Tunnel Bear, new sponsor. Check them out at tunnelbear.com. Gazelle at gazelle.com. Sell off all your old stuff, buy some new stuff. Linda at lynda.com slash mgg, as we mentioned during the show. Smilesoftware.com slash geek. The folks at Smile have been sponsoring this show. They are the oldest sponsor on this show. Of course, Barebones Software at barebones.com, as well as Squarespace at squarespace.com slash mgg, where coupon code mgg gets you 10% off. It has been a long, fun run. I believe everyone continues to follow our advice, John, and that is don't don't get, get caught. Go ahead. <laughs> Made up.